Hello, and welcome back to Franklin Covey's On Leadership Series. My name is Scott Miller, and I serve as your weekly host and interviewer. If you're not subscribing to On Leadership, do so by visiting our website, franklincovey.com. Click on the On Leadership tab. Subscribe. It's a free newsletter. It comes out every Tuesday morning at 6 o'clock Eastern Time and features a different interview, much like the one today, with a different best-selling author, thought leader, CEO, or someone that we pick that we think has a specially poignant view on helping you develop your leadership skill set. Today, I'm honored to invite two dear friends of mine and two colleagues, and not coincidentally, two co-authors of mine on Franklin Covey's new book, Everyone Deserves a Great Manager, The Six Critical Practices for Leading a Team. Victoria Russelson, welcome to On Leadership. Todd Thank Davis, you. welcome back. You're a perennial um, a guest on our program. Getting tired of me? Not at all. <laughs> Delighted to have the two of you here. Delighted to be here. What a kind of seminal event, right? You and I and, and Todd have been writing this book for the better part of a year and a half. Yeah, with a lot of help, right, from Lee Stevens and Meg Thompson and a lot of people in the organization that have taught the course by the same name thousands of times to our clients. And now it's officially on sale. We've kind of launched our children, right? <laughs> we can't claim to know what that feels like, right? But, um, or, <laughs> that was personal. <laughs> but but uh, the point is that it's been a kind of labor of love, has it not? Yes. yes and indeed. the book launches today after a year and a half of work. Uh, the book is kind of structured in a unique way for Franklin Covey. I serve a bit as the narrator, but my job for the book really, I feel, is to set the two of you up because you're kind of Franklin Covey's key experts on this conversation around first-level leadership. Todd, you've been in the firm for just shy of 25 years, coaching, mentoring, hiring, coaching out people <laughs> that perhaps were in the wrong role. Victoria, you've been a leadership consultant for over a decade. Uh, most of your time was spent in our Swedish office. Mm -hmm. You relocated mm -hmm. to the U.S. with yeah. your family. Yes. Welcome to America. Well, thank you. Uh, you're, like your 50th trip to America. <laughs> but you and your family are living now in Atlanta. Yeah. You're a full-time consultant. Mm -hmm. And you've taught this offering dozens of times. Yes. When you're here at your now, it'll be hundreds of times. Yes. But what I want to do today is spend some of our time talking about the, the premise of the book. Victoria, about a year and a half ago, we launched a new one-day offering titled mm -hmm. The Six Critical Practices for Leading a Team. Yes. It was received like gangbusters with clients. As a result, we chose to then write a book by a, a different name, Everyone Deserves a Great Manager. What's the premise behind that title, Everyone Deserves a Great Manager? Oh, we were talking a lot about that title. And I think what we really wanted to say is that you can do great by being a great manager. And we were also debating, should we call it being a great manager or great leader? Remember sure. that debate? Uh, and we were saying that this book is not so much rocket science or big new theories, but it's really the sort of basic fundamental principles that every leader kind of needs to yeah. know. Yeah. So. Super practical. Well, and, and I would just add, yes, to, to Victoria's point, they're so fundamental that many of us who have been in leadership roles for a long time, mm -hmm. not intentionally, but have realized, oh my gosh, I stopped doing that, or I never did that very well and I never returned to it. So it's, these are fundamentals that really make or break a great manager. People don't leave an organization, and they often don't leave for better pay. They leave because their leader, their manager isn't someone that they feel engaged with or trusted by. So Victoria, you're a full-time consultant, mm -hmm. you're keynoting, you're yeah. out training consulting, mm -hmm. you also mm -hmm. host a very popular um, podcast. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Uh, and Todd, you and I have something in common. We both have authored books ourselves. Mm -hmm. Someone interviewed me a few weeks ago and said, well, how was it writing this book? How was it different? I said, well, we have Victoria. <laughs> it was a lot easier. <laughs> we had like, a word. We had an intellectual, right? <laughs> but, but, but English isn't her first language. It doesn't matter. She actually offered a lot to the book. So, oh, thank yeah. you. Um, let's talk a bit about how the book tacks with the course. Mm -hmm. So, Todd, the book is rather short, right? We wrote a book that's less than 200 pages. Right. But you wrote it. The two of us, the three of us, wrote it in alignment with the course. You know, chapter one is practice one and mm -hmm. so on. Expand on that. Well, the whole intent is to make it very actionable. And too often we'll have some big, lengthy, you know, thousand page business book yeah. that we finish it and it may or may not have been engaging, but at the do end we, we do we finish it? <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> we did. <laughs> but then we say, what, what do we do? So we wanted this to be, you know, not a pamphlet, but we wanted this to be short enough yeah. to get the concept across, yeah. to get people to reflect on, gosh, where, how do I, you know, measure up to what we're talking about here? And what can I actually go out and do about it? You know, you made the comment that, that for a year and a half this has been in the making, but quite frankly, it's, it's, it's really been in the making for the last nearly 40 years with Franklin Covey leadership and all of the, all of the leadership work that we've been doing has, you know, the, the nuggets of that have been poured into this book and developing great managers. Yeah, well said. I, I, I like the fact that we wrote a short book. Yeah. Because we all recognize most books are written in sort of enslavement to the publisher, right? X number of words and chapters. And we kind of finished when we were done. Yeah. And I'm, I'm proud of that, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And when I got it, I realized, oh, it's a little shorter, but I thought, you know what? Maybe everybody will actually finish it. Because most <laughs> business books have the obligatory final 75 pages yeah. that you suffer through. Readers, not ours. Readers will be happy to know that as they're reading and they start to get bored, we got bored too, so yeah, they'll, they'll so run into the next chapter. It. No, <laughs> yeah. no, but I think it's so important to point out that the target audience that for this book is actually all these people that don't have very much time. Yeah, so we're right. super happy if they want to read one book this year and this is the book. That's right. And I mean, when we did write the book and we were sitting down and sort of getting our heads around remember that time in San Francisco and we were yeah yeah and really discussing like you know who are we writing this for and and we brought in this study from Harvard Business Review and saying like well most managers they get their first leadership position at the age of 30. Right that was me. Right. Yeah yeah a lot of yeah. most of us yeah. But he, he, most he regrets it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too late now <laughs> it's like but the fact is that as we know most of them they don't get their first training in management until they're 42. 30 to 42. Yeah. On average, it's like, there's been a 12-year gap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's well, kind of... Well, wonderful things in the organization, <laughs> right? There's no, no damage being done. I mean... No, no but, but the fact is then that... So this is kind of, okay, I'm there, I got the job, and I think I'm even sharing the story of my friend Sophia in, in the book, who's mm -hmm. kind of like calling me one Sunday evening and goes, hey, Victoria, I got this lovely promotion, uh, and I'm tomorrow I'm going to lead a team. And I'm like, well, congratulations. And she's like, well, that's why I'm calling you, so can you just please tell me what do I need to know for tomorrow? <laughs> I'm like... Sure, how much time do you have? She's like, well, an You're hour? Like, I have a podcast, not <laughs> a hot one. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and you know, and that was kind of the idea to think about this book, really, because I do think that a lot of managers don't necessarily have the time to read these very long yeah, theoretical right. books. Yeah. And what we don't want to imply is that whether you've had any official training or not, whether it be 12 years or 20 or 30 years, that you're not doing great things. I've had some managers that I don't think have ever had any formal management training, and they've been great managers, yeah. but they've had to kind of stumble along and figure it out as they go. And that was the whole intent of this book is to say, let's, let's come down to the, the six, happen to be six nuggets that if you will do these things consistently, you, will, you won't have to feel your way in the dark. You will become yeah. that great manager. Yeah. That your We're going to dig deserves. into those six things. Before I go there, 
I love the fact that we're all still speaking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> we wrote a book together. Well, today. Right? Yeah, today. <laughs> on camera. But I mean, it was a great collaboration. Yeah. And we also were all both, the three of us were very vulnerable, did we not? Oh, I mean, we shared sure. oh, yeah. stories and mistakes. Yeah. This isn't like, look how great we were. No. It was, <laughs> look how horrible Scott was, and we'll tell, no. It was a great collaboration in yeah. that. And we wrote the book really for every leader, right? Yeah. It a, Todd, it has a fine point for first level leaders. But as we wrote it, we discovered some ahas in our own career. Talk about our oh. own journey along the way. Oh, I just, I just remember one night specifically when we were talking about um, practice two, you know, hold regular one-on-ones yeah, with your right. team. And we, we talked about and wrote about the, the, the great outcomes that can happen from those regular one-on-ones. And I drove home that night thinking, dang, I have put off the last several one-on-ones with yeah. those people who worked. Yeah. And I, I, I was shamed, but also thinking, I gotta step it up. How yeah. can I write about this credibly without doing right. it? So, and I've been in leadership for more years than I Well, that's sure. my point, yeah. right? Is although Victoria's the youngest of the three of us, you've been in a leadership position for the better right. part of 25, 30 years. Right. Victoria, you have for a decade plus, myself more like Todd. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're both sitting in the C-suite. Victoria's a senior consultant to the C-suite. And we learned a lot from reading this book. So right. although the book's written for perhaps more junior first level frontline leaders, we all agreed that people who are seasoned yeah. leaders will say, you know what, that's exactly right. I should do that again. Or I knew that. I kind of forgot yeah. about it. Right? It's because kind of like a sense check, I'd say. If yeah. you're like a senior leader, it's the perfect checking in you know, with yourselves and see yeah. how am I doing when it comes to the basic. You know, you've been so busy probably as a senior leader looking towards the strategy and all these yeah. things, but just picking up some of these basic tools could yeah. make a big difference. A hero of all of ours, Dr. Covey, our co-founder, said many wise things. One of them was common knowledge isn't common practice, no. right. right? So a lot right. of this is Very common wise. knowledge, yeah. and we hope that we yeah. wrote it in a way where everyone can adopt it. So let's talk briefly mm -hmm. a minute about each of the six practices. Todd, let's start with you. Okay. Practice one is chapter one. We wrote a six-chapter book. <laughs> that, right? Wow. We had a conclusion and an introduction also. That's true. And I would be remiss not to mention our fourth partner, Rob Cahill, yeah, yeah. who wrote oh the introduction gosh. for yeah. us. Right? Yeah. Rob is the vice president at Franklin Covey. Mm. He was the co-founder and the CEO of Jana, which we acquired about two years ago, which mm. is an integral part of our All Access Pass. But he wrote a lovely forward uh, to us. So we want to give a shout out to our co-author uh, co yeah. in many ways, Rob yeah. Cahill. Develop a leader's mindset. Riff on that for a bit, Todd. Yeah, well, so, so think about when you were, and you were, and I was an individual contributor. And what are the mindsets and the behaviors that made us so successful as that individual contributor? And what we've seen, and, and what I think I was guilty of certainly, was often when you're moved into, or you move into a leadership position, you think, well, this is what worked for me before, so I'm going to do these same things yeah. and have this same mindset. And while some of them, few of them might transfer over, it's a very different mindset when you wake up every morning and just say, I really want to knock it out of the park today, or now I'm a leader, what does Scott need today? How can I help Victoria become her best self? Or what's getting in the way of Aaron you know, really succeeding? It's a completely different mindset. So that's what we mean when we say develop a leader's mindset. It's not about you anymore. In fact, Victoria refers to in the book this, this ceremony you might have, be it, be it metaphorical or not, where you put all your individual trophies and, and banners and, and uh, you know, celebratory things in a box and burn it up because now it's not about you. Yeah. It's about the team you're leading. Yeah, Victoria, I'll bet it was a lot due to my own immaturity. But when I was a top salesperson mm -hmm. in this firm, my first promotion into sales, I wish someone would have sat me down and said, Scott, these are the nine things that you've done extraordinarily well to earn the top salesperson role. Mm -hmm. And they're also talents that demonstrated that you have earned the right to be in leadership. Yeah. 
but mm -hmm. seven or eight of those are not going to transfer. And I want to talk with, if someone had sat me down and said, your need to win, and to be competitive, and to kind of win above your, 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 your colleagues and the scoreboard, yeah. those are great things as yeah. an individual producer. But Scott, you've got to change, because I think for the first, I, I, I fail to think how long. Mm -hmm. yeah. I was probably in some competition with my people, yeah. right? And yeah. player coaches are even set up wrong. Yeah. What advice would you give to leaders who don't have the, the, the coach that we didn't have? As you're making that, how do you inventory that what got you here won't get you there? What, what, what's a good exercise? Well, I mean, first of all, I think it's super important to sit down with your manager. And if you are a manager mm. of new leaders, you need to realize that your most important job is actually to develop leaders. You're right. in leadership development. Right. So even well then, said. yeah. You are in leadership yeah, development. Yeah, that's your key role. And so if you're a leader of leaders, I'd say, use this as your coaching manual, yeah, I'd say. Right. And then when you are that new person, do ex I think that was a great description though. Those are the seven things or the 10 things that made me successful in the past. What, will, what should I continue to do and what not? Yeah. And then make that agreement with your manager. So discuss that and debate that because the challenge is that many first level leaders today, they still keep parts of their aspect. You still had to do sales, right? Of course. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. you know, so, and that's the trick. How do I find the balance? Where is truly my success going to be defined from? From that key number or from making sure that my entire team is really succeeding? That's right. Because mm. fundamental this book is this power of shifting your mindset. Mm -hmm. Todd, you've talked a lot about how no one has a complete or accurate view of anything, right? We, we always have some things we can learn. And in each of these chapters, each practice, we talk about kind of a traditional old mindset and then making a shift into yeah. a new, more modern, progressive mindset. Let's talk about practice two for a minute, Todd. I'm gonna pitch this to you. Hold regular one-on-ones. What does that mean? Why is it important? Give us some of the nuts and bolts and I'll have you um, mm -hmm. uh, follow up, Victoria. Well, one of the most influential and effective things a leader can do is to engage the members of their team. And while there are many ways to engage your team members, the, the, quite frankly, the simplest and yet the most overlooked is holding regular one-on-ones. Uh, you know, people hear it all the time, oh yeah, I should do that. Well, no, you, you should do that. You wanna be a great manager, do it. Like you Meet. should manage your P&L. <laughs> like you should fill empty positions. That's right, right. Yeah. because as you raise, and, and people know this, as a team member is more engaged, the better work she produces, the better results you get. So what can I do to increase her engagement or his engagement? meet with them, let them know I see them as whole people. This one-on-one -on -one is not this, you know, the, you talked about the common mindset versus the more effective mindset. The common mindset is, well, yeah, I meet weekly or bi-weekly to check up on them, make sure yeah. that they're right. coming along in Give the project. Them tasks or yeah, that is not the right mindset for an effective one-on-one. -on -one. This is their meeting. This is their chance where it be 30 minutes every other week or every three weeks or 45 minutes, whenever to engage with you as their leader, to share with you what's working for them, what's not working for them, how could you help them do better, make it all about them. Send out an agenda. You know how frustrating it is to go to a meeting, any meeting, and not have any kind of an agenda. So we recommend here in the book, have an agenda. Send the agenda out to them, but let them come up with the agenda. What would you like to talk about, Scott, next week when we get together? What are the things, I have a few things I hope to get yeah. to, but, yeah. but let's make this about you. I wanna know what's working for you, what's not working for you. How can we help you really, really succeed in your role? Victoria, expand on that. Walk us through some three or four things that people should be keeping in mind mm -hmm. as they're kind of moving their mindset to this one. How long, how often? Yeah. 
what, what should and shouldn't happen? Well, I, as you said, it should start with your mindset and I, just not thinking that I'm doing this to check on progress. Yeah. It's not, it, it's the employees. Which meetings. isn't a bad thing, no. but that might be a team meeting or might be some That's other right. conversation. Yeah, yeah. Right? and you might, you know, still look into a few things of those. But so the first thing is your mindset. And I'd say to be present because as a leader, you're super busy. You're running between meetings. And I've had times where I've been extremely busy and I'm thinking like, okay, I'm at least conducting my one-on-ones. Yeah. I'm having these meetings. Mm -hmm. But in truth, I've kind of been there in person, but not really entirely. Yeah. And the thing is that your team will call you out on that. They'll see that. And I'll remember one moment, and I mentioned that too in the book, where I actually sort of, once in a while, I check in with my team and I say, how's our one-on-ones going? Because they're mm -hmm. for them, not for me. Right. And I say, so what are things you want me to stop, start, and continue doing? And I think like, after this stressful period, you know, I was thinking this, like, it's great that we have them, you know, I was kind of expecting something like that. And they were like, well, quite a few of them. Yeah, Victoria, it would be great if you could just be a little bit more present when we do it. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Because you were being distracted. Yeah, I was not mentally there. Yeah, you know, right. I was checking out the business in figures. Yeah. It was We've like, yeah. Right. But, you know, I thought I had faked it pretty well. But obviously not. Yeah. People <laughs> see through you, you know. I, I, I like that comment because that's what we our book is like. We yeah. share these really yeah. relatable, yeah. true mm -hmm. stories as well, too. Yeah. So yeah. that's my number one advice, I'd say, you know. You kind of need check to in. mentally check in. Yeah. When you go into this meeting, leave everything. If you need to go out and breathe in the bathroom for a while and yeah. just go and do that, that's number one. I've also heard you say that the the easiest one to cancel is not the first one. No. It's the second one. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, because you know, once you start to say like, okay, so it's fine that we cancel this first one and that kind of is painful, but then you're in the rhythm and yeah, it's you've like- You've given yourself permission. You've given, it's like, it's okay yeah. because now you made like, it's like when you have that argument if you should have that chocolate or not, you know, right. the first discussion- that this is concept, what is this concept? <laughs> I know, we've all been there, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, what yeah. else, uh, real quick, other Yeah, and then know. make sure that this is all about coaching and yeah. that you should be asking empathic questions you should be listening. So bring on your listening hat and really, yeah, use silence and try to f see what is it that I can learn in this meeting that actually is gonna help me to coach this person better. Yeah. Takes a, a paradigm shift for you not to flip back into the checking up mode, right? It's a 30 minute meeting, yeah. they create the agenda. I've also heard you both say, and you write in the book, let them do most of the talking. Yes. Right. You know, one of the things along with Victoria's coaching point is, uh, leaders need to let go of this idea that I've got to have all the answers. Yeah. Gosh, if Scott's, Scott and I are meeting and he's got this big problem and I know he's going to ask me what to do, I've got to come up with the answer before we meet. And that's why sometimes the one-on-ones get put off. No, it's fine to say, Scott, that is a big issue. I'm not quite sure what to do. Could we brainstorm a couple of ideas? What have you thought about to this point? and let them know that you, you don't have all the answers. It's right. okay. Right. The flip side is the leader who went to a coaching session who was taught to say, well, what do you think? Yeah. Right? That's right. I have people come to me and say, I wish my leader would stop trying to coach me because yeah, yeah. if I knew, I wouldn't have come no. to them. I yeah. don't know, boss. It's got to be sincere. I actually need yeah. your help on yeah, that. That's right. yeah. That's if it. you ever do that, I'd say, you know, explain why the reasoning. Okay, let's see if yeah. we both. But yeah. one essential thing, I think, when it comes to the one-on-one -on -one as well is spend time to prepare. And don't be afraid of showing your team members that you have prepared. You know, you can have your notes there and say these are the things because mm -hmm. then you kind of set the tone and the culture that you want them to come prepared right, as well. Right, well said, yeah. 
to our audience, if you're liking the dynamic here, this is how we read the book. <laughs> yes. This is how we wrote it. We also all three collaborated on the audio book. So we all kind of read our parts and yeah. we did it separately, but I could envision you reading your part and listening to Todd. So yeah, we, we send photos. It's a, we did. Yeah, yeah. It's a great read. It's also a great listen. So let's keep going. So six critical practices for leading a team. Practice one, develop a leader's mindset. Right. Practice two, hold regular one-on-ones. Victoria, practice three, you start. Mm -hmm. Set up your team to get results. Talk yeah. about that. Oh, this is so, yeah, this is so important and it's key. And it's, uh, we're looking both at how you do that with the individual, as in delegation and, and driving that performance forward, but it's also to look at the entire team and say, very often, you know, we can say, okay, this is where we're going, right? But we need to help to create that picture with our team. Yeah. Why are we going there? Right. What's Dr. the Covey importance? said no involvement, no commitment, no. right? Is mm. right. So it's kind of like, you know, we set the mindset in practice one. In practice two, we're like working that one-on-one -on -one relationship right. to right. build engagement. Exactly. Yeah. And now we're going on and like, all right, so where are we going? And why is it so important? Well, so they build on each other. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good idea. You haven't told me that before. Yeah. No, but and, and and I think that's really key, and it's a skill that I think a lot of leaders could get better at. Right. We mm -hmm. talk a lot about the why behind the what. Mm -hmm. Todd, expand on that. Well, just too often, and I know I'm sure I've been guilty of this as well, but too often leaders are for months, sometimes even years, putting together strategy and vision and coming up with a direction a team or a company is going. And it's not intentional, but we get back with our teams and we forget. We yeah. don't think about the fact that they haven't been on that journey with yeah. us where we understood why this is so yeah. important. And we come to them and then we can't really figure out why aren't they taking more ownership of yeah. this or why aren't they as invested in this. And as Victoria said, if we take the time to explain to them why we're doing this and why what they're doing, their piece of it is so important and so relevant, and then not tell them in most cases, here's how you have to do this. Yeah. But So here's what we need to do as a team. What would you all propose, you know, what's the best way to get there and get them to your point, Dr. Covey's quote, no involvement, no commitment. You get them involved and they'll own it just like you do. I think I enjoyed reading this chapter more than I enjoyed collaborating on it because after I read it, it felt really wise yeah. to me. Mm -hmm. And the concept felt pretty rudimentary. Mm -hmm. But when I read some of the insights from the three of us, mostly on this one, the two of you, mm -hmm. I thought, gosh, I wish I would have had that. Uh, that idea, the concept, some of the yeah. language, right? Mm -hmm. Some of the maturity that we help to impart in people. And I think it's becoming increasingly more and more important if we look at the new generations entering the workforce. They will want to understand. It's more important to them, actually, yeah. that what is it, why are we doing this? And we talk about in the book how difficult it is to be a leader, right? It's not as glamorous no. as we were led to believe, <laughs> you know, with a couple extra thousand dollars that you were offered a year, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people get into leadership and they decide, yikes, mm -hmm. I'm not sure this is right for mm -hmm. me. In some cases, people end up taking a step back or because of the embarrassment factor, take a step out. I had a leader tell me the other day, we were working through a challenge that they were experiencing with one of the team members, and they said to me very sincerely, I kind of long for the day when I'm back in, they didn't say individual, yeah. I'm back in a role where I'm just working for myself and somebody comes to me and says, hey, this is going on. And she said, I want to say, gee, hope you work that out. <laughs> Good <laughs> it was luck. not me for the record. I thought it, but I didn't say it. <laughs> Let's keep going. Uh, Todd, I'm going to pitch this to you. Practice four, create a culture of feedback. Yes. So it, again, like everything else we've said in here, common says isn't common does. Yeah. Is that what, did I say it correctly? Common knowledge, right. Okay, there well, go, there you yeah. go. Yeah, and four so, quotes and put them together. Was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so how can we possibly hope 
to get better. How could, how could we know what progress we're making if we're on a health plan, we're trying to lose a few pounds, if we never stand on the scale? You know, we, we say we're open to feedback, but in the end, we're so afraid of feedback. Those leaders who get over this and realize, you no know, feedback is, in fact, as was once famously quoted, the breakfast of champions. It truly is the breakfast of great leaders because when you create a culture of feedback where, you know, I say to you, Scott, hey, do you have a few minutes? I've, I, I've got some feedback I want to share with you. Instead of the knee-jerk reaction, we all have a crumb, what did I do wrong now? It's, oh, this is common. And yesterday I gave my boss some feedback. And now it's all done very respectfully, but those great leaders are people who make giving and receiving feedback very common. They have very high-performing, engaged teams. I think I learned the most in this section by being more self-aware, mm. because I've always fashioned myself as someone who's fairly mm. courageous both on giving feedback and on taking it. Mm. We kind of passed the mic to Todd a little bit on this, Victoria, and together we came up with these, was it six different six, um, common, yeah. common yeah. responses? And we named them, right? Yeah. The excuse maker, the overreactor, the perfectionist, yikes, the poser, <laughs> the emoter, and the mature improver. I reread the book a few weeks ago on a plane, so I can speak about it. <laughs> 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 I, it right? I wrote a few words, I swear. But it was, it was personally insightful mm. for me. Because when I reread the chapter around these six kind of profiles that really Todd kind of led, mm -hmm. the poser struck me as me. It's the and let me just kind of own this. The poser is the kind of person like Scott Miller who asks for feedback sometimes under the guise of wanting to be complimented, mm -hmm. and so you kind of have to suffer through the negative feedback yeah. with no intention of really rising to the occasion. It's the poser, and so I had been more mindful of reading this to say I've fashioned myself as someone who receives feedback really well. I don't think I do. Mm. I think it's kind of my brand to say that I do, but I got to make sure that my motives, right, my intention. Mm -hmm. Talk more about that, Todd. Well, and you're always so self-deprecating, but the, the reason we put Notice this in. Notice you didn't in, say self-aware, Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Gracious, gracious HR guy. <laughs> the reason we put this in here is because so many leaders that I've worked with, Victoria, you've worked with, the reason they're hesitant to, to give feedback is they don't know what to do if the response isn't predictable right and so we came up with you know from all of our experience the most common responses and then what to do if someone blows up or if someone continues and Scott it's not you but if someone continues to ask for feedback and you give it to them and they don't change what do you do so we've got that in there is how do I respond and that we're hoping will ease the discomfort of leaders being willing to give and ask for feedback yeah and adding on to that I think what you just did right now that's exactly where we want leaders to go because it's reflect yeah because mm -hmm. it's it's very often about how do I yeah. give feedback, yeah. but if you want that culture, you need to reflect about how do you receive feedback as well. I think had I not reread chapter four, I don't know that I would have been fully aware of some of my motives around getting mm. feedback mm -hmm. and how quickly dismissive I am sometimes of them. And was the root cause I'm really looking for validation under the guise of mm. being self-aware. Can, can I share one more thing on that? Yeah. I know we have short time, but... Personal as coaching a, to me? As as a, <laughs> can we just take this offline for a minute? As a leader, just realize your title alone is very intimidating. Sure. So, so just know that you're probably not getting the feedback that is out there because people don't want to tick off the boss. Okay, so make sure you understand that. And if you really want to know what's going on and how you could get better, unless you've decided you're all accomplished and all that, which hopefully nobody is, you've got this humility, make sure the way you ask for feedback is very non-threatening. Yeah. Don't show up in somebody's office after you've just run an important meeting and say, hey, Scott, so how'd I do? Yeah. Because what is Scott or Victoria or Todd going to say when put on the spot like that? Oh, you were great, boss. <laughs> 
call the person, talk to the person and say, hey Scott, I'd like to sit down with you next week. I'm really trying to improve the way we run our meetings and me as the leader, I really want to get much better at that. Would you be thinking through things that you would feel comfortable sharing with me on what I could do to improve? Yeah. Make it safe for people to tell yeah, you yeah. the truth. In fact, that concept comes from your previous book, which became a Wall Street Journal bestseller, Get Better. The 15 you know, kind of practices around building effective relationships. Mm -hmm. We expanded on that in this book. Thanks for letting us borrow that. Victoria, I'm gonna pitch the next two mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. uh, as I see early compliments coming in from the book, on mm -hmm. sale today, but a lot of people have pre-ordered the book and had a chance to review it. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most endearing parts of the book are your stories. <laughs> because although you're living in the US now, you've lived around the world, all through Europe and the Middle East, spent decades in the hospitality industry, mm -hmm. coaching, leading. Mm -hmm. You've got some great stories that you might think were European examples or African, but quite frankly, they're all the same. Humans yeah, are humans yeah. no matter where they are, right? That's my big insight, yeah. I think. Your mess ups were just as relevant <laughs> yes. as ours were, right? Uh, and they're all in there. <laughs> we had to change some of them so they made sense to Americans, right? But yeah, let's talk about practice five. Mm -hmm. Lead your Which team. mess up are you looking yeah, for? <laughs> no, 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 no. Lead your team through change. Mm -hmm. Expand on that. Oh, well, that's a big topic. Yeah. It. But what we try to do here, and it's we were talking a lot about Traditionally, I think when we spoke about change, it's been very much like what can you do as a leader to kind of protect your team against this change mm -hmm. that is happening, this big scary yeah. change. Which is a natural instinct, right? It's yeah, kind of yeah. be the, 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 the bear, right? Yeah, the yeah, bear yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and the idea that we want to communicate is that you want to champion change with your team. You want the team to be with you in this yeah. change. It's not you not that's kind of- so, exactly. authentically no, so. No, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what we've done is provide the change curve and right. which I love models and I think it's very helpful to have a few models when you're in the midst of these stressful yeah. things because right. you can kind of lean back and say, oh, it's okay, we are in the disruption phase now and it's, it's gonna be difficult and it's not me doing all the bad. So what is it that I can do to help us move on to the next yeah. phase? The, the change model she's talking about in the book, Todd, we call it the Franklin Covey change model. Four zones, if you will. Right. Zone of status quo, zone of disruption, zone of adoption, and the zone of better performance. We talked about how, as you we were writing this, mm -hmm. we talked about how, how we had this simple, right. very simple, yeah. but profound model to kind of gird some of the changes we've gone through in the company, mm. we could have gone through them faster as leaders yeah. and maybe even represented the strategy better with our teams, right? Because right. we've been through a lot of change here in 25 years and for you over a decade. Mm. That's right. We also talked about how there's a whole cottage industry of change out there, right? Yeah. Consultants. We like the fact that this is so simple because yeah. it doesn't require an intellectual, which I'm not, to work through it. Well, the big ideas, uh, for me anyway, here, for all of us, were what Victoria just shared, you know, let go of this tendency to protect our team and coddle our team. The other big idea is, as a leader, you gotta get on board. Mm. And, and if you can't get on board, go to your leader or leaders and find out what it's going to take yeah. to get you on board because you've gotta lead your team out. You know, I was just reflecting, when I was uh, very young, we had rented a motor home and we were driving somewhere, of course there weren't cell phones or Google or anything like that. And I think we had printed maps. Was this in the 30s? And, I, and, and we were on our horses. And, we were, and I remember this moment where my dad, who was a very wise man, and my mom, I could tell that they were lost. We were doing this tour through California or something yeah. in this motorhome. And I remember my dad saying, well, I'm not quite sure. And, and, and as a 10-year-old as a kid, I was a little bit panicked because dad or mom, they always know where to go. Mm. And they didn't know where to go. And it just comes to mind when I think when we have changes going on, it's unsettling for a team if you're not sure as well. Now, that's not saying, so leaders, you got to be sure. Right. It's saying, 
but realize you've got to lead out. You've got to get there first. So go so that you can provide that leadership and that comfort and that, and that confidence in your team. I've also seen leaders who, in an attempt to engage themselves with their team, they kind of take this us versus them mentality. Yeah. So a big change in the company Demonize is coming up. That's right. Yeah, or... I don't know why management decided to do that. Well, let me tell you, ma'am or sir, you are management. Yeah. So don't create that. That doesn't help. It may feel good in the short term, but in the long term, you won't be the great manager your team deserves. Everyone right now is thinking they wish they'd had a Victoria and a Todd as a coach, <laughs> including me no. earlier in our <laughs> career. Right? Yeah. Let's talk about challenge six, practice six. Victoria, manage your time and energy. Now, in the book, we kind of metaphorically turn the pen, the microphone, over to you mm -hmm. because Todd is so unbalanced in life, right? <laughs> and, uh, he was the opposite. He had no energy. You, <laughs> you brought such uh, a lifelong expertise to practice six, right? Manage your time and energy. Talk a bit about that. Uh, well, thank you, first of all. And of course, I've had my crazy moments as well where I completely failed, and I'm also sharing that in the book. And I think. A lot of us, we know what we need to do to manage our time and to manage our energy. We, we know what makes us feel good when we're creative, when we do good things, and yet we still don't do it, right? right? So what we, we were really debating this when we wrote this chapter, said so what can we do to actually help all of the managers out there to really take this serious? Because it's right. a, not a new conversation. Right. And, you know, so we're really like looking at it from a slightly new perspective because the thing is that the working life and how we do work today is changing rapidly. And the fact is, and there's different statistics, but some say it's about 40% of the job that, you know, as we know them today will not exist within mm. the next 50 years because everything that we do on routine, these like traditional, you know, recurring tasks, they will be done by robots it's in the future. Yeah. 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 So that requires something different from us in the workforce. We need to use our brains in a much different way. We need to be creative. We need to come up with, you know, because that's going to be, compared to the robots, yeah. our unique contribution. Mm -hmm. So as a leader today, it's not just to manage that the things happen, but to actually help not only your own creative time and energy, but to coach your team on how to use right. their right energy and time in the best possible way. And you write way. a lot about, although you're the, you're the lead voice mm -hmm. in, in practice six, you talk a lot about how important it is for the leader to model that. Yeah. You can't prescribe to somebody else how no. they should. No. But as you model in your life, what the leader models gets done. Yeah. What the leader models gets valued. Yeah. Right? And I thought a lot about that since reading it as well. Yeah, because it kind of starts with you. It's not enough to say, hey, I really value for all of you to take your time off and do this stuff. And then you sit there yourself at five in the morning and you leave, you know, at midnight and yeah, they will look for what you do. When we were writing the first draft of the book, Victoria was still living in uh, Sweden, remember? Right. And Todd and I would be leaving work and Victoria would be out teaching a yoga class, right? Or <laughs> she'd be out doing, you know, running a marathon. I must and, say uh, that, it was like seven hours <laughs> later was, than you, so it I was, was at night, yeah. you know? That, that's when yeah. we decided you should take the lead on this show. <laughs> but Many it, it yeah. really is, in my mind, this chapter is about staying relevant. Yeah. You've got to stay relevant. And if you don't invest in yourself, you will not be relevant. Right. And you, you may be a, a leader for a short period of time, but you won't be an influential leader for any long period of no, time. No, no. So the book is out today, October 8th. We're all jettisoning this week around the country, right? We're all leaving this afternoon. We have multiple events, about 15 cities, crisscrossing, giving speeches, mm -hmm. lunches, yeah. keynotes, Busy book busy. signings. It's an exciting week yeah. for the Franklin Covey Company. I'm discovering it, America. You are. <laughs> I'm like in a new, new <laughs> well, state every year. I remember <laughs> you were assigned Baton Rouge. And yes. so like, what's a Baton Rouge? <laughs> 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 
Celine, you're going there. And it's a lo lovely city. Can't and, wait, uh, can't Louisiana. wait. <laughs> it's been an honor to interview you both today. Mm -hmm. Such an honor collaborating with you. Victoria, welcome to the, to the, the world of being uh, a famous author. We can't wait for you to crisscross around the nation. Hopefully your daughters and husband can join you in some of the speeches. I'm also delighted to announce that you are keynoting mm -hmm. for Franklin Covey, the book topic at the World Business Forum. Yes. You've spoken in Mexico, in Milan, in Madrid. I yeah. mean, you're on the biggest stages in the world. I am honored to be on the same book yeah. as you. Todd's old hat, because Todd's yeah. already famous, <laughs> right? I mean, he's a best-selling author. <laughs> he's spoken everywhere, but I'm just honored to be on a book with you. Your energy has been phenomenal. Your wisdom. Uh, Thanks, your stories from the 40s were so valuable to both Todd. Pick up a thank copy. You. No, we love not, doing my this pleasure. With thank you, you for Thanks, being Todd. on the set today. Thank you, everybody, for joining. If you like the report today, the book is riotous, it's <laughs> practical, it's relatable. We share all of our foibles in this as well. And to Victoria's point, it isn't just a book for entry level leaders. It's a great book for mid and senior level leaders to read it and perhaps buy copies for their team to yeah. say, you know what, you are a leader of leaders as well. Mm. And we hope you enjoy it. Everyone deserves a great manager. The Six Critical Practices for Leading a Team by Victoria, Todd, and Scott. Thanks for joining us on Leadership, and we'll see you back here next week with a new guest.